Good morning, Minneapolis, and other beautiful cities all around the world. My name is Lavi Alva, and I'm an extreme extrovert. Well, I have some good news. <sighs> um, let me explain a little information first. So, um, people um, who have gone through AA kind of know the term hard stop. So hard stops are things like that are natural or like you don't really have to try. Some well, some hard stops are like legal like jail. Um or like rehabilitation centers, but some hard stops are like, you know, your own personal um discoveries about yourself. And uh I had made a big discovery. I had realized that my car is like a huge hard stop. So without even thinking about it, um, you know, I I drove myself to like a bar with my mom um, the last weekend and we danced and had a good time. I just reconnected back with my mom and like, you know, we just went to a bar and danced. <laughs> And I had no problem. I didn't drink at all. I just went straight to the bar, got like a lemonade. And it was subconscious. I didn't even think about it. And it was because I drove. And I know in my heart that I'm like, I don't drink and drive. (laughs) I don't do that. That's not something that I do. And I was like, huh. But then there was a time, like earlier, where a friend... Um, came out, some a loved one came and picked me up, and I didn't bring my car keys, and they brought me to the bars, and I realized as soon as I got there, I ordered a drink, and I was like putting these two together, and I and my mom and I were we were having dinner actually, and we were contemplating. All the plans and all the things. And we kind of realized. And, and I realized another time I had driven somewhere. Like to the place. And I was like, hey. um, I didn't drink then either. Because I knew that I was going to have to use my car. And I think that not using my car is a huge trigger because I'm like, why the hell would I need to be sober if I am not driving? And so I'm really excited about this. I'm kind of happy about um, knowing about this. Um, I still have my plan, obviously. Um, And for those who maybe didn't listen to my last podcast, a plan... um, is kind of like what you're going to do in regards to every step of before the relapse. So, for example, um, one trigger for some people is money. You know, if somebody had, gives them money, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out and spend it all. Uh, for me, a big trigger is, you know, getting a ride or Ubering and not driving to the place because I don't have any sense of responsibility and it just really triggers me it makes me really feel relaxed and I kind of just go and drink um 
but anyway, yeah, plan is kind of like where you're, what you're going to do throughout the process. Like me, I, I was thinking, you know, um, I'm going to drive now somewhere, wherever I go, because that's a huge hard stop and it kind of prevents the other factors. Um, but in case, you know, not everything is perfect, maybe the car's in a shop or something, and I end up Ubering, driving, or getting a ride, then I'm going to have to set up my plan. And um, it's nice because I have people and I have resources that are willing to help me practice and um, put these in action, like, be like, you know, if it's too triggering, leave the bar. Um, if you get that one drink, you can always leave it. You can always say, you know what, I'm sorry I made a mistake. Um, get to the bar and, you know, maybe you didn't drive. Part of one plan that I was thinking of maybe, because, <coughs> excuse me, I was a big fan of the saloon. I absolutely love this saloon still. It's a great gay bar in Minneapolis. Um, I'm not going to advertise it too much because the people that um, go there, they go there for good reason. It's a good place and people are respectful. You know, don't be going and having your bachelorette parties or nothing. Go and respect the gay culture and the regulars there. But anyway, in Minneapolis, this is one of my favorite bars. And um, habitually, every time I get in there, I go straight to the bar. And I realized this about myself. I was like, this is a habit that I kind of almost set up myself for failure. And, um, sorry, I got a ADHD thought. I don't know if I excused myself for that cough earlier. <laughs> okay, sorry. Anyway. <clears throat> um. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. And, you know, sometimes I'll go from the bar, like, straight to the bar. Like, as soon as I get there. That's, like, my thing. Like, I'll always go from the Uber, inside the door, pay the cover, and go straight to the bar. This is just a habit that I didn't think of. And <clears throat> God, excuse me. <laughs> Sometimes uh, these Arizona allergies are really getting me. And I just think it's always good to have some kind of plan. And kind of figure out, like, because I really truly believe that addiction becomes habit. And that's why it's so problematic. Is because our bodies get so used to doing something. Whether we are consciously aware of it or not. <clears throat> and I think that I consciously set myself up for failure. When I would constantly um, or habitually do that. Like go to the club. Go straight to the bar. Because there's not much thought. You know I'm not um, doing anything first and so I was thinking maybe like another thing that I'm going to try is maybe eating and like drinking like before I go so then I have no reason to go to the bar I'm not thirsty I'm not hungry and I can go straight to the dance floor or I can go straight to another activity um 
my mom actually suggested, she was like, oh, what if you just ate at the bar? Mm, I'm not sure. You know, there's something that we have to try out. And I'm really optimistic about it. Really excited to make this discovery. You know, it's been a long time since um, I found anything really positive in regards to my, um, you know, recovery uh, recovery discovery, um, but, yeah, I just really wanted to share with you guys this, and I'm just, yeah, just really happy, and I'm gonna put these, um, some of these theories to test, and kind of see what works, it's kind of a trial and error, and, you know, we have to make mistakes, I think as addicts, um, they'll, a lot of people will be like, hey, you know, just go to rehab, just figure it out, and the thing is, sometimes you don't know, sometimes you can't just figure it out by yourself, you really do need help, (laughs) like, sometimes you need, like, whether it's a therapist, or, like, a friend, a trusting friend, a group, the thing is, it's not for everyone, you know, some people really enjoy AA, because, You know, there's a religious factor sometimes, not always, but I feel really drawn in. And, like, giving a responsibility to God or um, Buddha, Allah, whoever, Um, Satan, (laughs) whoever, I don't know, the universe, it kind of, like, lessens their guilt. It lessens their you know, feeling of despair and, like, the heavy weight on your shoulders. And I understand that. For me, it's not like that. I'm used to doing things kind of by myself, and I find um, things like this, like experiments and practicing, and, you know, it, it makes me as a person, like, my... Uh, I, I can only think of the word ego, but... Um, confidence, there you go. Um, it's about 5.40 in Tucson. Good morning, Tucson. Good morning, Minneapolis. And other beautiful cities all around the world. Um, but, yeah, I just got up so early. I was like, I, I kind of need to express this thought because it's an important thought to me. But for me, you know, I'm not a heavily religious person, so I like to, like, study and I like to, um, you know, educate myself. Which I'm not saying people that are religious don't do this. They do this too. But unfortunately, because I'm not religious, I have to do more of these things because it gives me purpose. Fortunately and unfortunately. So this really makes me feel happy and I'm... You know, sometimes you might have to do some trial and error. Practice. Practice going to a bar with someone you trust. And practice being sober. You might cry. You might get emotional. But that's why you have to go with someone you trust. Because it's physically hard sometimes. Sometimes it's triggering. You know, sometimes you think about your past or your friends or sometimes you just feel left out sometimes you feel shame sometimes you feel 
Sometimes you just feel com- uncomfortable because you can't tell anyone that how you truly feel. And it's it's nice to have an environment, a safe place where you can talk about these feelings with no judgment because they're they're true feelings. And not talking about the feelings that you get when you're not drinking or even when you are drinking is really harmful. I believe that as addicts, we have to be honest with ourselves and others. And when things become secretive, like I've said in a few podcasts in the past, is that when things become secretive, that's when things become dangerous. You know, because as an alcoholic, you know that societally, you know, your behavior is not always acceptable. And it's so confusing for us because in our society, we advocate almost and we make like activities that are potentially alcoholic behaviors like really fun and lively. Like I use the, you know, my 21st birthday, have 21 shots kind of example. Like no one should ever have 21 shots, but we normalize that kind of behavior in our society. And then it's deviant to not be able to handle alcohol. And it's really frustrating um, for some of us that have problems with alcohol. Because, you know, one person can go and have, like, bottomless mimosas and everyone's like, yay, it's so fun, good for you. But then if you're an alcoholic, you know, you have problematic behaviors and everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with you? Don't you know how to control yourself? And it's it's tricky. It's tricky in society and it's confusing and that, you know, one person can do it and you can't. Like, it's just your body's biology. Sometimes it's your mind. It's not your fault. Honestly, I sometimes think of back in my ancestry. I've had a lot of alcoholics in my family. And I've... It's <laughs> it's been a long bloodline. So I don't... try. I try not to take this personally because... It's just me. It's my biology. And I think of it maybe back in the day when, you know, my ancestors were maybe, um, you know, Vikings that were fighting in war, drinking beers, and just whatever, making shit happen. And, you know, at one point it was acceptable. It was okay back in the day. It was okay to, like always be drinking and you know because that's the resources that they had and time happens things evolve and I think at this point in 2022 my genetics just don't fit the current um situation you know I'm a five foot one um female Latina and I all I do is just kind of sit at home and um, study my Duolingos and go to work. Like, 
I have a pretty simple life. And, you know, drinking doesn't really do any much good for me because I'm a small person. I don't really eat that much. I don't really get that hungry. And so when I do drink, it it makes a significant difference. I have an empty stomach. But anyway, sorry, I had a little bit of a rant. But thank you so much for listening to me this morning. And I'm definitely going to share with you my, my trial and errors. Hopefully more trials and more successes. And do something good for yourself. I know it was Valentine's Day. You know the best thing about Valentine's Day? Is the day after Valentine's Day. Because all those candies and all the roses and all the fluffy wonderful things are half off. And you can buy anything you want for yourself. (laughs) And I do really enjoy that. But um, that's me and I don't know what you enjoy. But whatever it is. Make sure you have your water, your breakfast, your coffee, get some good rest. Maybe you have a really busy day. (sighs) Take some deep breaths. It'll be okay. And if it's not okay, it's okay too. Because not everything is forever. I really appreciate you. And safest, safest, safest of travels.